For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. How are you, everyone? Welcome to the gathering room. I'm Martha Beck. If you don't know that, I'm not, you must be in the wrong place. I'm not going to waste time talking about myself because today we have the most magnificent special guest we could ever hope to have. Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor may be familiar to you, partly because I talk about her all the time, partly because her TED Talk is probably the most downloaded of all time. It discusses how as a Harvard neuroanatomist at the age of 37, Jill had a massive left hemisphere stroke, which took out a lot of her cognitive function for a number of years, but she rebuilt her brain. I'll let her tell you how, and came out of the experience with a really transcendent worldview, which I was just saying to her before we started, I believe that this world needs a transformation of human consciousness. And Jill is one of the first people I'd ever seen who I thought, oh my goodness, this is someone who's genuinely done it, knows how it works because she's a brain scientist and can teach the rest of us from both an intellectual perspective and an emotional experiential one. So I am so deeply honored to welcome Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. How are you doing? Hi, I'm so happy to be with you. I just, I'm so happy to be with you. Oh, the happiness is all mine. Oh, by the way, guys, we will not be taking questions from you this time because I am going, I have populated my little field here with all the questions that I think you might ask, but I want to get all my questions in. Before we even say anything, I want to um, feature Jill's amazing new book, Whole Brain Living. I've read it three times. It is such an accessible guide to brain science from a user's perspective, like it will teach you how to use your brain differently. And that's all I'm gonna say about it before I turn over the mic and ask you, um, Jill, it still feels awkward to call you that. I wanna call you Dr. Bolsey Taylor. <laughs> so Jill, can you briefly, briefly just um, tell us a little bit about what you discovered uh, by having this massive stroke and rebuilding it and then, and very in brief strokes, what you've written up in Whole Brain Living. Beautiful. Thank you. First of all, I'm thrilled to be with you. I have been reading uh, Path to Integrity, and I feel like we're saying the exact same thing, but you're coming at it from a sociological uh, population perspective, and I'm coming at it from the population of cells. Mm. And the beauty of cells is that it is the microcosm of the macrocosm. So Absolutely. I feel like I'm talking to the macrocosm of what I know so well, and I love it. So first of all, I'm thrilled <laughs> to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so you lost 
a lot of the function in the left hemisphere of your brain. Now, I was raised thinking we have a hippocampus and an amygdala. Yeah. You told me we have two of each, one on the yes. right and one on the left, and that they function differently. Could you yes. sum that up a little bit? Yes. And, and that's actually why I wrote the book was I realized I'd had over, okay, so first of all, I was a brain scientist at Harvard, uh, teaching and performing research. My area of specialty was how does our brain create our perception of reality? Wow. So at a cellular level, I was looking at which cells communicate with which cells with which chemicals, and in what quantities of those chemicals, and comparing the tissue of normal control to schizophrenia, schizo schizophrenia, schizoaffect, OCD, panic, anxiety. Right. And uh, there was a lot of meaning in my life because I have a brother diagnosed with schizophrenia. So that's what motivated me to study this all together. Mm. And then at the age of 37, I woke up one day and I had a major hemorrhage in the left half of my brain. And mm. over the course of four hours, I could not walk, talk, read, write, or recall any of my life. I became <sighs> an infant in a woman's body. And the left brain is all about communicating with the external world. But in the absence of that, I didn't have language. I didn't have the group of cells that define the boundaries of where I begin and where I end, my ego center. I lost all details of, of everything. I didn't know what a mother was, much less who my mother was. Wow. But it wasn't just what I lost because I also lost the inhibition, the inhibitory fibers from my left hemisphere reaching over to my right hemisphere. Mm. And in the absence of my individuality and the boundaries of where I began and ended, I became as big as the universe and I felt as though I was a fluid instead of a solid. And it was beautiful there. <laughs> right? It sounds horrible, but it was, it was, the, it was magnificent. Um, and so I really gained, took eight years then for me to regain the skills of my left brain. And, um, uh, and then, you know, this book is, is whole brain living based on, we have two emotional groups of cells and we have two thinking groups of cells, one in each hemisphere. And they're not just groups of cells, but they have character profiles. Yeah. So, um, the, the title of the book is whole brain living, the anatomy of choice and the four mm. characters that drive our life because we have the power to choose which of those four characters we want to exhibit at any moment in time. Wow, this is this is so fascinating. So it's so exciting. Most of the people who come here to the, to the gathering room have talked about, well, they've asked questions about anxiety, about how to deal with overwhelm, about trying yeah. to deal with relationships. And as I read your book, I thought the, these people are existing or seem to be operating primarily out of that left hemisphere set yes. of cells. And yes. you, when you moved over to the right side, and you said that so beautifully in your TED Talk, step to the right, you said you not only felt this immensity, but also the oneness, the things yes. that actually Asian mystics and, and also European mystics have described, and for that matter, shamans all over the world, have described yeah. going into through a variety of spiritual practices. So they, what your book and what your, your experience taught us is that this is an actual thing that is, it exists in the brain yeah. and we can go into it. And, and yeah. your TED talk was at the same time so viscerally awful and so beautiful. <laughs> and I, I've been obsessed with this for like a decade ever since I saw it. 
I tell us about the beauty and yes. then and then the absence of anxiety and then yes. why it was bad to miss that and how to how to balance the two so that we have this whole brain living going right. on. So, so, you know, every ability we have is because we have brain cells that perform that function. So I can wiggle my finger because I got a group of cells right here. I can speak because I have cells that create sound and then understand sound. Mm -hmm. So every ability we have. So if we're able to have a spiritual experience, it's because we have cells that mm -hmm. are designed to have that performance. So wow. the question is, how do we access it? And many of the tools that we currently use are prayer. Because mm -hmm. in prayer or in mantra or in meditation, we're either trying to quiet that brain or in the left hemisphere, the language centers, or we're, we're, we're trying to shift our focus away from that. You know, it, it, it's rare that it's going to go completely quiet, sure. but it's like little, it's like little children in there. It's like, if mm -hmm. you want them to be quiet, treat them res with respect, say, you know, I'm right here. You can come up anytime that you want, but mm, I'd like to go be at one with all that is. And it's going, if your brain knows your four characters, then you gain the power to choose moment by moment, which of those four characters you want to embody. And you can create healthy relationships inside your own head between hmm. those characters. That's so fascinating. And I love that the, she has characters one, two, three, and four. Simple. And they each have, uh, I, I talked before on the gathering room about how you ask the readers of the book to name their four parts. And we, when you got to the creative playful part, I was like, what do I name mine? I know I'm going to name it Pig Pan after that Peanuts character. And then I was listening to your book on audio. You said, I named mine Pig Pan. And I was like, are we, do we have the same, right? You know, emotional brain. But could you tell the folks here, because I know that a lot of people come here because they struggle with, with chronic anxiety that they can't yes. get past. Yes. First of all, do you remember what you were like before the stroke? Do you even, do you remember oh, yeah. your personality? What were you like? So, um, you know, I only lost two of my characters. Sorry, I'm sweating hmm. like a pig because I live uh, where it's hot. So let me just wipe my face down. On a um, boat, by the on way. On a boat. On a boat, on the water. It is hot here. So um, I... Uh, well, I grew up very right brain dominant as a child. I was very artistic, very creative, very musical, very athletic. And I was, I was happy like that. Mm. And my mother was an academic and my brother who ended up being diagnosed with schizophrenia was just this side of genius. So he mm. was satisfying all of my parents' needs for an intellectual child. Oh, so I didn't have to which was really great for me because then I could like pursue my music, pursue my art, pursue my athletics. Mm. And then I went to college and in college, I absolutely fell head over heels with anatomy in love with anatomy. Mm. And so I became a gross anatomist, which is cadaver lab. We're so beautiful. There's nothing more beautiful than teaching medical students about the beauty of the body. Mm. And if you're going to do research in this day and age, you have to go to the brain. So I went yeah. to the brain for, for neuroanatomy for my research. And so that all developed. And then I'm climbing the Harvard ladder and doing all of that. There's a lot of meaning in my life because I'm working on schizophrenia, mm. which is, you know, to help my brother. And, uh, and then I wake up one day and the left hemisphere falls mm. offline, but I have this very healthy characters, two characters in my right brain, of the present moment. And the mm. biggest difference between the left brain and the right brain 
is the present moment. The right brain is right here, right now. That's all there is. Information streaming in through our sensory system saying, hey, what do I see? What am I smelling? What's going on? And it, it's like this massive collage of, of mm. magnificence. But I lost language. People thought that was important. <laughs> I lost my relationships. People thought that was important. I lost my job. People thought that was important. Oh, I, imagine that. I know, but I, in the absence of that, I just felt open and expansive and filled with uh, an, uh, just endless love. And yeah. it was beautiful. Everything's connected. And I was really happy. And my mother would look at me on the couch and she'd say, child, she called me child, child, why are you so happy? You know, here I am. I'm <laughs> drooling. Half of me's paralyzed. I'm a, I'm a real mess. But I, all I had was the magnificence of life. And it was like, I didn't die that day. You know, mm. I didn't die. So I retained those two characters of the character of emotion and the character of right thinking, mm. which connected to all that is, but yeah. I lost the emotion of the past and the future, fear of the future. And I lost the thinking of the past and all of my memories yeah. and any projection into the future. So, um, you know, it, uh, I feel very fortunate that I lost my left hemisphere instead of my right hemisphere. Yeah. And, and then I could use my right hemisphere to rebuild my left hemisphere. Amazing. So if somebody's stuck in a place of anxiety and, and they haven't really had any relationship with these right hemisphere characters, and you talk about a brain huddle, bringing them all together. Yes. Um, but I'm sort of harping on this because I get the question so frequently. Yes. I'm stuck in anxiety. I've never felt peace. And I always tell people right. that your refuge is the present moment. If you can shrink yes. time, if you can yes. stop your linear time perception. Yes. But I still keep getting the question from the same people. Right. <laughs> so, they don't know what that means. How do I if, bring myself to the present moment? What does that mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. so do you still, are, are there times ever now where you, feel flickers of anxiety or some, something yeah. like that. And you move over, you deliberately decide, yeah. okay, I'm going to choose to go to the right yeah. now. Yes. So because I know, okay, so let's go through the four characters really quickly. So yes. people know what they have to choose from. Great. Because little character two is that emotion of anxiety. Right. So if I want to get out of anxiety, it's like all the energy in my brain has gone to that group of cells. Yeah. And so now I'm in anxiety and it's going to run its course of time. And uh, from the moment I think a thought till it stimulates an emotional circuit, and then it runs a physiological response to what I'm thinking and feeling that literally takes less than 90 seconds. Wow. So first of all, recognize anything I'm feeling, whether it's love, whether it's sadness, whether it's joy, whether it's whatever anxiety, it is only running for, for 90 seconds. Now I can stay anxious longer if I keep thinking the thoughts right. and stimulate those emotions in the present, or I can change my mind and I can think about something else. So Character one is the left thinking tissue. This is the part of us that organizes everything. It is punctual. It defines what is right and wrong, what is good and bad. And it's our A-type personality. It got mm. us here. I got everybody who's here on time today. So that's <laughs> character one. And we all need that character one because that's a part of us that is really interacting with the external world. And it's a magnificent part of who we are. We're completely non-functional without it. Right. So that's character one. Character two is the emotions from the past. So any of our past trauma, 
is right. in that group of cells. It's literally in a group of cells. So for me, when mine went offline, it was fantastic. Those, <laughs> those cells, all of my pain from the past disappeared and wow. never came back online. Now wow. I could think and remember traumas, but huh. I didn't have the emotional response to it. So that's all located in little character two. Little character two is the part of ourselves that we really need to listen to. We need to learn how to self-soothe and how to love that mm. part of ourselves. We need to figure out who stimulates or triggers that part of ourselves yeah. and really pay attention because this is circuitry. Every ability we have is cells and circuits. So if I'm putting all my energy into my character too, I could decide, okay, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to stop thinking about the anxiety mm. thing. I'm going to distract myself, if you will. I'm going to go into character one or little character three is in the right brain. And that's the emotion of the present moment. Mm. Well, how do I get into the present moment? Well, first of all, I focus on my breath because it's the first thing I do when I'm born and the last thing I'm going to do when I die. And it's like, it's here. And isn't it nice that it's here and we don't have to like remind ourselves to do it all the time. So just bring your mind to thinking about your breath and all of a sudden, bam, here I am. And mm. then I'm present. And what does it feel like experientially to be present? What does that mean? What does it feel like to have my clothing on? How much is a human? Humidity is in the air, and how does it feel to be sweating? Now, my character <laughs> one is making judgment, going, Oh my gosh, I'm sweating on a podcast. It's like my character three doesn't care at all. It's just I'm sweating to... like a hog over here, Jill. Exactly. It's just the way we are. So, so the character three is an experiential, not, not so much the emotional. Now it can be the, the anger of the present moment. And I love in how your book, you talk about the difference, different types of anger and mm. the different types of anger are specifically divided between those two hemispheres. <sighs> the right here right now is saying, no, I don't want that. I want change. That's not okay with me where yeah. the other, the left can become violent. Yeah. Uh, so I love the way you delineate those two differences and then character. So, so character three is very playful. It's creative. It's open. It's innovative because it doesn't have the left brain coming in and say, no, no, no. If you're going to color those trees, you need to make them green. And I know you're a painter. So your trees can be blue. It's okay. <laughs> so because to the right brain, there is no right and wrong and good and bad. It just is what it is. And then character four is the thinking tissue inside of our brain. And that is the present moment experience of being connected to all that is. There is a consciousness in every cell in our body. And that consciousness is shared with the consciousness of the cosmos. And we have access to that character. How do we do that? We practice. You have to become aware of what are you thinking. You have to be willing to be aware of paying attention to what circuits are you running. But think about your brain as though it is a collection of cells and we have the power to choose which of these characters we want to embody in any moment. Oh, this is so amazing. And it's so great for me to hear this from somebody who was at Harvard. Um, because when I was there, which is like 500 years ago now, the one, the way to get yourself like laughed out of the room was to admit yeah. that you had even the slightest openness to the thought of a spiritual aspect to the universe. Yeah. 
And yeah. when I read Whole Brain Living, I was like, she's just out there with it. And that's what the gathering room is. It's me saying, I don't, I, I'm interested in the intersection between science and spirituality. I believe in yeah. it. So how do you like the sociological implications of yeah. your discovery, like the way you're living now, I doubt you would have gone there just going up through the ranks at Harvard because the socialization. I'd still was very be there intense. doing that. I know, freezing cold, right? <laughs> In many you know, ways. Yeah. So, yeah. did you decide, like, okay, I really don't care that the people I know at Harvard are going to think I'm, uh, you know, on the loopy end? Or, like, how did you deal with that? <laughs> you know, well, I became loopy. I mean, I lost my left hemisphere. Everybody knew I was an infant in a woman's body. So, uh, you know, my left brain, it would care. My right brain, mm. it didn't care at all. All my right brain cared about. <laughs> was that I'm still alive. I'm wow. still alive. And as long as I have life, I have possibility. And it all begins with the try. You know, it yeah. all begins with the try. Um, but the, the value structure of the right brain is about the collective whole. How do I use my life to make a contribution to the bigger picture of humanity? So yeah. here you are, you're looking at the sociological perspective of, of humanity, and I'm looking at it from a cellular at the level of the brain. So, so cool. to me, and, and I always say to people, if you want to understand the brain, understand sociology, because that's the matter. Microcosm. So cells are in circuits, just like humans are. And right. if cells get, get cut off from their circuitry in their network, they curl up in a ball and most of the time they die or hmm. they wait until other cells come in to bring them back into the network. Wow. So to me, you know, it's, it's the this and the that and the cells are this magnificent creation. And then we project that into the world and right. our patterns then Yes, from what's going yes. on inside the brain get projected into our patterns into the external world behaviorally. Yeah. yeah. And then they form sociological phenomena that are similar to what's going on in the individual brain of the person who's having most influence. It's, it's this is exactly how I've always thought about it, but I don't have the brain science behind me. So talking to you, it's like, yes, this is exactly what I thought. I have another question about this, though, because one of the ways in which we project our brain state into the world is in the choice of how we build a life. And this is the other part of what I do. I do the writing and then I do coaching. And the coaching grew out of teaching and having people show up and ask me, don't tell me about the subject matter. Tell me how to live. And I was like, really? Right. Um, <laughs> so you were, you were just telling me before we went live about how you've shaped your own life. And you said, I'm yeah. so blessed. And I kept thinking, but you've made choices. It's the anatomy of choice, right? Right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. And so not only do you make a choice to stay in the present moment and not get into um, anxiety spirals or whatever, but right. then you've made choices in your external life yes. that you have a very unusual lifestyle, yes. which is such a magnificent reflection of your inner lifestyle. So could you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, I live on a boat. I live on a boat <laughs> six months of the year uh, in the southeast of the U.S. And um, I absolutely love it. I come here at the beginning of May and I, I stay as long as I absolutely can take the weather. And um, uh, so really till November. So I am I am podcasting with you from uh, my boat, which I, of course, call brain waves. Ah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy here. I have created the world, the life that I want. And um, I live I live with God. 
Uh, my character four, I, I didn't die that day. But what I really gained was this clear awareness of, of who is that part of me that is connected to all that is. And that is love. And that is, how do I be of service? How do I bring myself into the world to the best of my ability? And uh, when I live on water, I, I, I'm on about 50 feet of water where I currently am. And and to me, it's like my energy bubble becomes complete. Yeah. And when I come out into the world, which of course I do for, for gigs and conversation and keynotes or whatever, I feel like my energy comes down and hits the cement and splatters wow. with everybody else's splatter. I know. I know and so there's a, there's a level of crazy in our world that is, is not peaceful. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, this book is a, like a roadmap to how to get out of your own anxiety, your own crazy energetic that is uncomfortable. Your, our fear of the, the past, uh, our fear of the future, our disappointment, our pre uh, consist, uh, our expectations of everything, our judgment from mm. the social norm. Um, and, and really land in ourselves. Who are we? Who am I? And it's funny that the I of a collective whole is, is in the right hemisphere where the mm. I, the ego, the individual, what serves me the best in, and, and how do I rate compared to compared to mm -hmm. instead of in common with, in relationship yeah. with. So, um, I, I, I make choices every day. I am conscious constantly aware of my own mindset yeah. and I know what brings me anxiety I don't like anxiety um, in your book you say write this down this is what bothers me this is what I need from you instead absolutely you know it's about owning your power as a human being and we do have to fit into a social norm mm. and uh, up to a certain point and as long yeah. as we're loving and we're supportive of others then you know the society is pretty good with it. So, so uh, you also say in there that, uh, you know, the more integrity we gain, the more weird we become and, and the less, <laughs> less we do with the social norm. And it's like, yeah, I'm kind of in that category. So, uh, I mean, look where I live, you know? So, um, but at the same time, it's all about love. It's all about how do I use me, the value of the right hemisphere, and to contribute to the collective whole, which is us as humanity, all animals, the planet, we're a symbiotic relationship. And yeah. the left hemisphere doesn't have that value. The left mm. hemisphere says it's about me and mine. There's a hierarchy. How much can I achieve in the external world? It thinks linearly, which means where am I on that hierarchy? And it's yeah. uh, very materialistic. Uh, so. Yeah. You know, we, and we choose, we have all of it inside of ourselves. Yeah. And around us. I mean, I, I know a lot of people might be thinking, well, I wish I could have an idyllic life on a boat six months of the year. Um, and the fact is you probably could, if yeah. in, in my integrity book, I say, here's the thing. If you live according to exactly according to the integrity that you're talking about, Jill, as you right. find your way through the choices that are best for you, for right. you. It will give you everything that you need to be happy. Absolutely yeah. everything. But it may cost yeah. you everything else. Yeah. So this is what I want people to notice, that you aren't just yeah. like some rich woman with a yacht. You are a person who deliberately stepped away yes. from the types of achievement, even though you're still achieving like a mad thing. I mean, this is crazy good. 
Um, <laughs> but you stepped away from the the academia yeah. style of life. You stepped away from that physical location. You stepped away from land. As you were thinking, I it, as you were talking, <laughs> I did. I was yeah. thinking, you know, cells have to be in water to live. Like water ah. is the one thing. Yeah, and uh, I yeah. I love the wilderness myself, and I love getting away from other people. But if yeah. there's no water around at all, right. it gets very grating on me. So it's yeah. there's something very literal almost about us living as if we were individual cells of a common brain. It's right. really fascinating. But right. I just want people to know, you said you were blessed, but in fact, you have made choices. Yes. Yeah, and yes, your book is about choices. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I, I have made I have made this life. This is I, you know, I asked myself, uh, I lost both my mom and dad in 2015. And it was like, well, where do I want to be? Where do I want to grieve? And it was this lake in this place where my family would come when I was a child. So I can get on a paddleboard and go where my mom and I would sleep out on the boat and rock, you know? And it was like, and my dad was an oil painter. So I can picture where dad was out there painting. Uh, so it was really the perfect place for little Jill to come in order to grieve. And, and you know, the beauty of, of emotions, even if it's anxiety, the beauty of emotions is it's the difference between being alive and not being alive. Hmm. And even if I can celebrate the negative emotions or what we would define as negative emotions, uh, then it's a part of what we are. It's the beauty of what we are. But again, it sells in circuitry and it has a natural lifespan. I don't hmm. have to keep rethinking the thoughts that are going to keep me in my anxiety. Grief is an overwhelming, it totally totally enveloping, most beautiful, amazing, put me on the floor and let me weep. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh my God, I'm alive. And this is the difference between me being alive and me not being alive oh. is my ability to feel and to be and to think and to speak and to see, oh my gosh, we're just like, you know, we're this amazing miracle of life, amazing wow. miracle of life. And when we allow ourselves to hook into that perspective, how can I, how can I be anything but wow, bring it on, whatever it is. Yeah, I always think that we are somehow consciousness struggling to be at peace with existing inside matter. Yeah. And the, the understanding of that matter now, because of brain scientists like you, is, has gone further than it's ever been before. And it's merging with the wisdom traditions and the mystical traditions of cultures all over the world. And Jill Bolte-Taylor stepped through that door years ago. Oh, and I, got, now, I got thrown. <laughs> got thrown through the door. The door slammed and then ripped off its hinges and beaten with it. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. But yeah. she came out um, just with everything, with this beautiful manifestation of consciousness in form and this amazing ability to describe how to do what she did the hard way. But we can yeah. do it a much easier way. So if you ever think, oh, this is hard, think about doing it Jill's way and uh, choose, choose what's available by reading choose her book. what's available. And you know, once you get to know these four characters and then they start having conversations inside of your own head, it's like, oh yeah, if I'm feeling anxious, I can say to my little character too, I give them all names. And my little character too, I call her Abby. And, and the rest of me, character one can come online. Her name is Helen, hell on wheels, get it done. You know, she's busy. So Helen can step in when I'm feeling anxious or feeling unhappy and, and essentially say, say, 
do I need to fix something? Because that's what that character does. Do I need to fix something? Are we mm. physically okay? And then character four can come online and that's the love. And it's like, oh, honey, we're here. All the energy is in you right now, but the rest of us, we're all here. And then character three, my pig pen, your pig pen wants to play and be creative. So eventually pig pen comes on and goes to Abby and says, okay, are, are we, can we go play now? And we create healthy relationship inside of your head. And it's beautiful. These are your four characters. And, you know, it's like differentiation. The better we differentiate anything, the better we can know how to use it or work with it or develop whatever we want. That is brilliant. I think we're going to just, I, I, that's a mic drop moment. Um, we're going to close out for the week, but we've had comments saying, please bring her back soon. So I hope this is not our last meeting on the gathering room. And Perfect. you have, you are always such a joy and an inspiration thank and your you. energy as well as your brilliant mind just lift all of us. So Perfect. thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Mwah. Thank you, Mwah. Jill. Mwah, 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 mwah. Thank you, everybody. Can we all go play now? Yeah, it's playtime now. I gotta go jump in the lake.